It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. With me is James Whitcomb, CEO at Frontier Risk. They're a tech-enabled insurance solution in the cannabis sector led by former cannabis executives. James, thanks for being on The Talking Hedge. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. Well, how's the cannabis industry changed since you first got involved? Uh, well, it, I think it's changed a lot. I first got involved in the cannabis industry really from a research perspective in 2015 and then being a plant touching operator vertical as one of the first five licenses in Florida in 2016. Um, you know, I think I think your listener group probably already very well understands how the capital markets have, have changed. I think, um, so, you know, maybe not necessarily a need to to rehash the roller coaster, kind of the, the, the falling roller coaster that it's been recently. But um, I will say, you know, being on the circuit for the last six months, I am seeing a little more positivity, a little more optimism than than the six or nine months before that. Um, I think that there's a sense that in a lot of states, price compression has kind of reached its bottom. Um, there are a lot of folks in the single and multifamily office space, certainly who really had to be on the sidelines. And in, even if they didn't have something concrete, some kind of movement at the federal level was enough to kind of get them off the fence and, and maybe not writing checks, but starting diligence processes, right, in the last six months. And I think that's that's the biggest difference that I've seen. What about um, unique risks or challenges? I mean, you're at a conference right now in Scottsdale, Arizona for, for insurance. What Maybe explain just what, what's unique about it or challenges about the industry and how you guys are approaching that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, any any person involved in cannabis is probably all too painfully aware that, you know, cannabis insurance for really all lines of coverage across property and casualty and particularly professional lines um, is is more expensive than it should be. It's it's unaffordable. Um, I think that. There are there are certain large MSOs that know that it's unaffordable, but you know keep parting ways uh, with the money because they don't have a choice. And then on the other end, there are small and medium sized businesses where the unaffordability of it matrix against the requirement of it means that in in some cases it's preventing them from operating at all. In certain cases, or it's it's forcing them out of business. You know is is that factor forcing them out of business as much as not getting paid on time? Uh, for purchasers, no, but it's it's probably a top five issue as far as current pressures on the cannabis industry, you know, where lack of capital markets exposure, the difficulty of getting a bank account, which is not as difficult as I think the general public thinks, you know, it, insurance is up there. Um, and it's, it's a problem of supply and demand. Um, you know, the conference I'm at is filled mostly with insurance carriers and reinsurers, not really, you know, service providers on the technology side. And it's a great place to really come to grips with the fact that there is really a, a severely limited universe of reinsurance capacity out there. Um, there are just very few carriers willing to participate in the space. Um, very few reinsurers behind that. And, and re reinsurance is what drives everything, right, in this industry. 
um, and and they're they're not doing it for a multitude of reasons. They're they're not doing it because there's still a little bit of stigma, right? And everybody knows insurance companies are are typically very large, a little bit slower moving, and more conservative than than other industries. So, you know, it's it's not it's not the boardroom of a non-insurance company where they're willing to step off the fence. It's the boardroom where every single board member is saying we shouldn't be doing this and you've got to convince us why we should take a risk that will become one two percent of our book and potentially taint the other 98 percent of our books um you know similar to a large federally chartered bank at this point um they're also not doing it because they don't really understand the risk intrinsically um cannabis insurance mostly as an industry has been built by insurance people who are learning cannabis from their clients and not the other way around, right? And and that's that's the fundamental difference between us and the other cannabis insurance powers that be. Um, and I think the third component, which is related to what I just said, is is data. Um, cannabis insurance companies today are are not utilizing data. I think the way that they could be, um, whether it's seed to sale data, compliance data, these are all things that um you know you look at these data sets and you can see major operational flags um in that data that change your baseline rating and not you know move it up or move it down depending on what you're seeing you know we had a hand in building a lot of these early seed to sale and compliance systems and so we know how they work we we wrote the sops where we know when the guy is or, or gal is more likely to fat finger a data entry and so it, it sort of goes beyond understanding the data so james you mentioned that um companies are learning insurance companies are learning from their clients instead of the other way around is is cannabis that much different from traditional ag yes it it is and 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 i think i think that question assumes a little bit that people are coming at this from a crop coverage perspective and maybe sorry got some loud chairs around a property Oh, it's, it's, it's all parts of the operation, right? It's, it's property, it's general liability, it's product liability, which is probably the, you know, the area that most trial attorneys are salivating over, you know, it, it, over the next 10 years, uh, it's workers' compensation over to professional lines. It's, it's DNO for private and public companies. It's EPLI, you know, management liability packages. So it's, it's really everything. Um, this is not just about covering a crop. If you want to talk about covering a crop, Yes, cannabis, you know, cannabis sativa is 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 obviously a a more finicky crop than than your average large scale crop. Um, you know, which is why this industry has such a hard time growing it really well at scale. Uh, this isn't soybeans, it's not corn, it's not lettuce, right? So um yeah, it it is fundamentally different. And and on the indoor side, um the properties, as we all know, used to grow this stuff indoors is vastly different from the structures that are used to grow microgreens indoors or in a hybrid greenhouse. So it's 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 very different. Is there anybody, so at the conference you're at down there uh, in, in Scottsdale, is anybody talking about artificial intelligence? Right now, we have at our fingertips chat GPT, um, which, by the way, I asked for a slogan for you guys, and it said, Guardians of the Green, Navigating Cannabis Risk with Expertise, which is pretty cheesy. And then it comes up with, uh, when life gives you lemons, hire us for lemonade. But what role do you see in AI technology playing? And is anybody talking about it right now? where you're at yeah i mean look you know 
the insurance industry has been talking about AI for a long time because there's so much data to crunch. And as long as you're able to build a framework for a large language model to follow, it results in more automated underwriting decisions, right? But what I'll say is that, and, and this is with, with all the respects in the world, towards the insurance industry, the insurance industry talks a lot about data and innovation and the way that AI can kind of supercharge the analysis of data, but they really do want to see large benches of physical human underwriting talent um to to back that up so um i think that you know we 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 work with a company and have helped develop something called called underwrite gpt um which is basically just processing a lot of data and and we set certain trigger points and say okay based on our institutional experience and based on you know the pricing data we're seeing out there, if the data is saying X, we price it as Y. Okay, now automating that that becomes an AI closed loop system. Um, but the reality is, you 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 still need the human touch of underwriters. Um, and I think you know our 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 company that that has a retail brokerage as well, which which is what we started with. That's really the best filter. I mean, everybody knows, right? So, sort of what what companies out there in the cannabis space are kind of doing it right, and everybody knows those ones that are that are maybe skirting a regulation here and there, right? Because of just you know, we've we've grown up with them, we sort of know who they are and how they operate, and so that's that's a little hard for AI to figure out, uh, at least this year, um, which is why you need that human touch for you know, large language models processing cannabis underwriting data. What do you see with opportunities in uh, the industry with legalization? So the cannabis, cannabis industry has seen some rapidly changes in legal landscape with potentially rescheduling to uh, schedule three. How do you see that federal legalization potentially affecting the cannabis industry as a whole? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, starting with the cannabis insurance industry, I, I think that rescheduling to three all of a sudden allows, you know, very large global reinsurance balance sheets to jump into the space, right? Um, they've held back because of the federal illegality, and it, it starts to become, from an underwriting lens, from an insurance lens, the same thing as the way the insurance industry um, underwrites and approaches the pharmaceutical industry, right? Um, and of course, that's what Schedule Three kind of implies. Um, so I, you know, I think it's it's inevitable, you know. And and I and I think folks, you know, if if you ask folks about kind of how the banking industry changes for cannabis when when rescheduling happens, whenever that is, um, I, I think they would give you the same answer, which is it's going to have a lot of large balance sheets come off the sidelines. And come in and play. However, that doesn't necessarily mean they understand how to play and what the rules are or what the rules should be. And so we're here to be that conduit. Um, you know, as as somebody that will be a program administrator, it's really our job to invest these reinsurance balance sheets on behalf of reinsurers, on behalf of carriers, in a smart way where we're where we're picking superior loss experience plays um, based on what we know and based on all the underwriting data that we collect from a bunch of third party data sources. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it's it's it's a lot of money. It's a lot of brains coming in that I think you know need to be guided in carefully, whether it's insurance, banking, or anything else, um, to sort of responsibly find their way in, into the right cannabis place. What about the uh, the future of cannabis? I, I always like to ask for crystal ball predictions. Cannabis industry moves, you know, fairly quick. Uh, maybe two steps forward and one step back, but it it moves. And so, having said that, where do you see the cannabis industry and or insurance market in particular evolving in the future? As much as I could have a crystal ball, you know, I think that. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much to be said about this. I I, I think that the the one thing that caught everybody by surprise was I think the timing of the schedule three push or recommendation by HHS. And, you know, there's some people who say it was an inadvertent leak. There's some people who say it wasn't, you know, whatever the case is, I haven't talked to a single portfolio manager um, on the equity or on the credit side that touches cannabis that, that, that knew that was coming when it was coming. And I think the only thing you can count on is that you can't count on anything from a timing perspective, especially from this administration. So, you know, there are some people who say, oh, well, you know, the, the DOJ should typically respond in 90 days or 120 days. Yeah, we always like I, I think all bets are off. I, I don't think anybody knows when they'll respond. And I think that there are hardcore conservative forces that will try to get them to not respond at all, because that would be a, I would say, conservative victory. Um, despite how popular this this substance and the use of the substance is among conservative voters, but so I, you know, I don't. It's a little bit of a combat answer to say, you know, the only thing that I know is that we don't know anything. But um, I'm optimistic in that sense as well. That because I think a lot of the smartest minds didn't call the timing of that announcement, I think we'll be surprised in a positive way again. And I'm 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 on that side of the fence, fifty one percent, as opposed to. Um, you know, the 49% of me that's saying DOJ won't respond to this for another 18 months. Um, I think something will happen. Um, I figure it will happen before the election. So that's that's my crystal ball. Yeah, I think the consensus is don't hold your breath. But having said that, if people have more questions or they want to get a hold of you, James, where can they get a hold of you at over at Frontier Risk? Go to our website, frontierrisk.com, um, you know, contact us, form, et cetera. Um, you can use that to contact us. You can use that to buy insurance from us. Um, and and we're all on there. Um, you know, don't go, the whole team is on there. You can see our backgrounds. You can see how we've operated cannabis companies. It's all connected to LinkedIn. So that's where you find us. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. But with that, I think we're going to have to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, James Whitcomb, CEO at Frontier Risk. Appreciate you being on the Talking Edge. And I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Edge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod. Connex, and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.